Welcome to Shorties, a short true crime story. Oh, well, hello. Oh, well, hello. Oh, well, hello there. Um, I was to say, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> What's new? I'm very curious about what this is because yesterday you said it there, I said something in my story and you were like, that's what my story is tomorrow. Well, it's like Hollywood related and then this crime influencing anti-stalking laws and everything related to like what's available to the public and oh, stuff like, like the, that. Oh, the information. That's the yes, comment yes, that I yes, made. Yes, 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 yes. The info that's available to people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What is it? What is it? Well, there <laughs> well, are. I'm glad you've asked. Well, because I'm about to dive right in. Believe it or not, there are few books that have inspired more murders than Catcher in the Rye. What? <laughs> have you ever read that book? No. I would not think that it would inspire violence, but for some reason, um, it does. And even though there are multiple themes, my main takeaway from the book was an obsession around the protection of innocence. The main character, Holden Caulfield, sees innocence as a virtue, and time passing and the experiences that come with aging only tarnishes that virtue with his obsession comes sexual confusion and his character is a gentleman but he almost sees that respect as a weakness and he doesn't understand why he cannot be intimate with a woman without like deeply caring for her which is actually a great thing (laughs) but he sees that as being really weird and the book deals with familial neglect depression and coming of age so it's obviously very relatable which i think is why a lot of high schools have you read it but it's also been largely misinterpreted john lennon's assassination has been infamously linked to the book his killer mark david chapman was so infatuated and related so deeply to the protagonist that he wanted to change his name to holden caulfield he was holding a copy of Catcher in the Rye when he assassinated John Lennon in New York. Really? I did not know that. I had no idea there was any connection to that. And it was because um, he said that he wanted to preserve John Lennon's innocence by death. Oh. Like a terrifying interpretation of Holden's desire to preserve childlike innocence. So he thought that if he just were to kill John, then he wouldn't experience anything that might tarnish his innocence any further. <laughs> Did you know that that really famous photo of John Lennon and his wife where he's naked and Mm -hmm. curled up like in the fetal position, did you know that that was taken the same day he died? I did not know that. He died later that day. That is horrific. Yeah. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like such an intimate moment to capture right before. I can't even imagine how that must have. I know. I know. John Lennon's murder was one of many to be inspired by the book. And today I will be covering one of them. This is the story of Rebecca Schaefer. Oh my gosh, wait. I thought you were doing John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kidding. You really threw me off. I just, that was such a, I think that's like the one that's like infamously connected to Catcher in the Rye. Gotcha. So I didn't want to cover that one. Okay, sure. Well, it wasn't infamous for me. I had no idea. I, nor did I. <laughs> Rebecca was born in the small town of Eugene, Oregon on November 6, 1967. She was an only child, and her parents could see how passionate she was about theater from a very early age. Like many young girls, she dreamed of being an actress and a model. The rainy college town that she called home was nothing like where she wanted to be. She moved to New York City to pursue a career in entertainment and landed a small role on a daytime soap opera called One Life to Live. 
Her big break was a TV sitcom called My Sister Sam, which brought her back to the West Coast. Rebecca moved to LA in 1986. The show was a huge success and she ended up starring in a few movies and landing magazine covers. She had a very big fan base, so it was normal for Rebecca to receive fan mail. One fan that regularly sent her letters throughout the years was a man named Robert John Bardo. Robert was mentally unstable and completely infatuated with Rebecca. At one point, Robert tried breaking onto set when they were filming My Sister Sam. He was unsuccessful because security was able to stop him, but he refused to give up. He hired a detective to find her address, which apparently they were able to find by looking at DMV records. Did he say anything to this PI about, did he lie and say like, this is someone I know, or like, did he literally just hire a, an investigator to get someone's address and the, and the person just didn't ask questions? And he's like, yeah, here it is. Yeah. So it, the investigator never came forward to discuss like the interaction that they had or any specifics that he was given, possibly because it made him look really, really bad. Yeah. But all that was disclosed was he was obsessed with this woman for multiple years, had always tried to contact her, had tried breaking onto set. And his last hope was finding her home address because he was trying to carry out this particular plan. And the investigator just looked at DMV records and supplied her home address to this human being. Wow. I I just can't even fathom the fact that this was, at that point, possible. Illegal. Yeah, it's it's insane to me. But you know, this was also a, a different time because what was this in the eighties? Yeah, said? this was late eighties. It was so uh, nineteen eighty nine. People's like addresses were still printed in phone books. Exactly, and that, that's what I had to keep make. I had to make note of, and yeah. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But on July eighteenth, nineteen eighty nine, nineteen year old Robert Bardo showed up at Rebecca's home in West Hollywood. He had traveled all the way from his home in Arizona to meet her. He was holding a photo of Rebecca, as well as a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. He asked her for her autograph, and she was generous enough to accept his request before asking him to please leave. Rebecca was waiting for someone to deliver a script, so when she heard a knock at the door shortly after Robert left, she thought nothing of it. Later that day, she was supposed to actually head to a possibly career-changing casting for The Godfather 3. Whoa. So she was just waiting for that script so she could practice her lines. Yeah. When she opened the door again, Robert was standing there holding a gun. He pointed the Magnum revolver at her chest and shot her in the heart. She died in the doorway of her home. Robert had been planning her death ever since seeing her love scene in scenes from the class struggle in Beverly Hills. He saw Rebecca as his possession and that she owed him her innocence. He believed that she deserved to be punished and that taking her life would mean that he could permanently possess her. Robert fled the murder scene and headed to Tucson, Arizona. He was seen running down the freeway yelling, I killed Rebecca Schaefer. He was arrested the day after her murder. His argue lawyer... His argue lawyered up. <laughs> Fuck, do I have, um, what's it called when you reverse things? Dyslexia? <laughs> I, maybe. I like oh, gesture my hand. You know what this means. I was thinking you were going to be like, you know, anorexia. Or do, I, do I have the anorexia? <laughs> his lawyer argued that he was mentally ill and both his brother and sister testified to back this up. They stated that their brother suffered from a mental condition and actually dropped out of school to receive treatment. 
According to goodhousekeeping.com, it was then revealed that Bardo couldn't purchase the murder weapon because of his history of mental illness, but he convinced his brother to get a gun for him. Oh. I mean, the guilt that that would carry, like on his brother's end. Yeah, but I was going <laughs> to say- What is the like, logic? I don't, I don't want this to sound too judgmental because obviously this tragedy happened, but- I would never buy someone a gun who can't get it because of their history with mental illness. I wouldn't buy a gun for anyone that wasn't mentally ill because I would be thinking to myself, why me? Like, why are you trying to connect yeah, me I, to something? I mean, this yeah. is very suspicious. It's just like, I'm not even going to buy you a gun anyways. But but to do, it's one thing if you're buying a gun as a gift for someone who wants a gun or whatever. But exactly. This is... But it's this for someone that dropped out of high school because they had to receive mental treatment. Like this person isn't stable. And that's why he can't get it himself. So exactly. Just, I don't really understand that. I don't either. Deputy DA Marsha Clark, the one that became oh, you know, very, the, very famous because of OJ Simpson. The Marsha Clark. The Marsha Clark. We love her. Um, our, well, well, we, oh, we don't. Oh, yeah. We don't love her. I love her in the, I love her in the show. Sarah you Paulson. love Sarah Paulson. I love Sarah Paulson. <laughs> I deserve her number one fan. <laughs> Look, we don't have anything against Marsha Clark. We just have opinions on how she handled herself. But so does everybody else. It was a major learning lesson for everyone. <laughs> but I love Sarah Paulson's portrayal of Marsha Clark. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So Marsha, she argues that Robert Bardo was not insane, but obsessed and should be punished accordingly. He was found guilty of first degree murder and received a life sentence without the possibility of parole. During his sentence, he was stabbed 11 times by a fellow inmate at Mule Creek State Prison. It was not disclosed of um, why this came about, but he did survive the attack and he is still serving his sentence to this day. Whoa, really? Really. <laughs> really. <laughs> really. I guess it's not that one. I, I just think mind, I'm stabbed 11 times and you're surviving. Oh, well, I mean, that, yeah, that part is really crazy too. But for some reason in my mind, the 80s was so far away i know i'm like wow he's still alive people born in 85 are hating you right now i'm so sorry (laughs) a year after rebecca's death in 1991 california passed the first ever anti-stalking law this makes it a felony to cause another or their family to be in reasonable fear for their safety and carries a state prison sentence and as of 2019 all 50 states recognize that law wow all of them all of them and as they should well yeah of course but it's so rare that they all agree (laughs) well yeah and so then i was thinking this story makes me think of all the people that go on tours to see where celebrities live if i was one of those celebrities on that list i would be pissed like for the most part the people that are buying tickets are just excited fans out of state like they think everything associated with hollywood is just so exciting and cool sure but you don't know if you're possibly endangering that celebrity you're showing like, what if that celebrity was driving up from going grocery shopping? That person now knows the vehicle, mm-hmm. now knows the the accessibility of their home. Plate. Yep, It's insane to me. And I yep. know that a lot of that information is accessible to the public, like home addresses and phone numbers and things like that. But I want to no. know why. Yeah. I mean, it's- What's pub- the purpose it, of that? Part of it is public record, like, you know, owning a property. You know, if someone really wants it to be private, they can mm-hmm. own it through an LLC. They can own it through something that doesn't have their name so obviously attached to it. But traditionally, your name has to be on it. And then that goes into a public record. As someone that lives their life so publicly, <laughs> I am pissed the, about the lack of privacy. Oh, yeah. It's and not I think, acceptable. I think like especially in this day and age, it's just even without public record, people can just stalk you because of social media. People can find 
information about you and and piece together you know based off of the stories that you post like where you live and they can see the layout of our home or anybody's home like people Mm -hmm. that are not you know aware of this so then on top of that they know the bedroom layouts they know if there's wings or stories or things or there's a gate yeah just girls taking doorway pictures they know the number of the unit that they're living in it's frightening yeah please be more aware of that because there's there's insanities that are psychos i mean there's insanity psychos psychos out there guys no i know but like it's it's i i feel really bad for people who are like i think you and i are just more inclined to think i don't want to say pessimistically because i think it's it's realistic realistic. yeah and i know that we think about this stuff more so because of stuff like this podcast and Mm -hmm. our our already uh existing (laughs) pre-existing interests anxieties and overthinking and anxieties and overthinking too yes yes, 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 (laughs) and all of that self-awareness so I could see why it just seems like, oh, well, you're just living in fear if you're always thinking about this. But at the same time, like th- this stuff happens all the time and you need to be mindful and educated about the world you live in and the mm-hmm. people who live in that world with you and yeah. what they're capable of. We have a crazy person who lives just a few doors down from I us know. who's really scary. He screams. He'll go out onto the sidewalk and screams and he'll attack women and children who walk by. He literally lives like four buildings or four uh, houses down from us. Yeah. And that kind of thing is like so scary. This morning I was thinking about taking my dog for a walk and then I heard him out there and I was just like, well, I guess we're staying inside. Because you don't know that moment that he decides or anyone decides to break. Like that, the yelling of the profanities, the charging at people, the attacking could turn to, what if he had access to the knives in his kitchen? Like there's so many things. It's like the what ifs. It's very scary. Everyone needs to be their own advocate. Yes, and I think you owe it to yourself, your parents, your friends to take care of yourself because by something happening to you, you're doing something to them in their world. Yeah. So it's it's your obligation. Yeah. And that is the story of Rebecca Schaefer. (laughs) That was so good. You know, it's so weird. I must have heard that story before, but I didn't remember any of the details. Mm -hmm. And I had this moment of like, I almost stopped you. Are you sure that you didn't do that story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I'm positive. I'm I'm positive I didn't do it. And I guess I didn't mention this because there's like been like a variety of reports. That's like one thing that has really infuriated me about doing this podcast is you can look at one article and they'll they'll say they found it here. And then the next one says, nope, they found it here. I have situations where like, let's say Joanna Dennehy, Mm -hmm. they called her Joanne in most of the articles I read. Yeah. And so then I had to go through and completely fix it all. And it's like these, yeah, they're always mixing things up, but they said that um, one of the reports said that they found Catch in the Rye on her rooftop, that he had killed her and then thrown it up on the roof. And then others said that it was just near her body. So oh. I don't know the location, but the, he was in fact holding the book and then dropped it at the house in some place or another, you know? Wow. The I know Catch in the Rye has been banned from a lot of high schools, um, mostly because of the profanity, like the language oh. and things like that. But okay. it doesn't incite violence. It's an amazing book. Yeah, that's what I, I was like. I... I think I read it when I was like a teenager, yeah. but I don't really have any memory of it. But mm-hmm. the whole violence thing, I'm like, I must have not actually read it because I don't remember any connection like that. But you can see if you are mentally unstable reading something about preserving of innocence. And he almost is obsessed with it. Yeah. Like when I read the book, I thought he was, he sounded creepy. Like someone that is so obsessed with a, like a female remaining in the state of like being virginal and things like that. 
that flips me out. Yeah. Um, and the creepy. fact that you're like somehow less or worth less if you were to live and experience things that happen to every human being. Yeah. You're mentally unstable if you feel like that. Yeah. So I could see that that book getting into the wrong hands. Yeah. And causing it's that. an interpretation. I mean, that's the, that's the sad reality of anything. Anything mm-hmm. that is put out there, if a mentally unstable person gets their hands on it and they want to use that to justify, that's like Charles Manson. Like his, his yes. entire crime spree was influenced by the Beatles. I know. <laughs> like all of their songs. Yeah. Like some arguably some of the happiest music that we've ever seen yes, or ever listened like, to. <laughs> yes. He he took every single song and he took mm-hmm. every line and he somehow justified it for his actions and claimed that they were really the ones inciting a huge race war and that they were going to come and be, it was just, they're like, no, we're just doing drugs and, and singing to our lady fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not doing anything. With our stupid haircuts. <laughs> Let us be, man. Yeah. Well, that's my story of the day. That was a good one. Thanks, girl. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. To view detailed source material, as well as content from today, please visit us on Instagram and TikTok at Shorty's Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help with the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Shorty's Podcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Ana Katarina.